Good morning, everybody. Today is Saturday, July 10th, and welcome to the Thinkers Uncensored podcast. We have a little bit of a different flavor for you today. Um, This is a little bit off the cuff. I was having a conversation with somebody, which unfortunately I can't currently name due to the censorship of the world right now, but you will enjoy this content regardless. We're talking about heroes and victims and how most people in the world seem to fall either into the category of being a hero or the category of being a victim. And unfortunately, in today's society, the way things have been going, there has been incentivization to be a victim in society. And we look around and we see the statues of heroes being torn down and we see victims and criminals, uh, statues of these people being erected and people praising this. It's like a backwards kind of world. So um, I was just having a conversation this morning and wanted to bring you guys in, kind of record the conversation, let you join some morning coffee talk um, and go. So you were telling me earlier, welcome, by the way. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, You were telling me earlier about Alexander the Great and how the world seems to be enamored with heroes. So could you explain a little bit of that to me? Yeah, absolutely. So if you, if you look at how the world works, at least back in the day, and I say back in the day, pre this wokeness that we're experiencing right now, you were rewarded for being a hero. We lived in a world where heroes were praised because if you look at what a hero does, they overcome adversity. Right. Right. That That is exactly the very definition of a hero is that because you are able to rise above and overcome evil or adversity. And now we like to define ourselves by adversity. Exactly. Now it's like if you experience adversity, you're a hero for being a victim. That's yep. really where we are, and it's uh, it's quite bizarre. So if we go back to Alexander uh, the Great, um, who is a Greek general and conqueror, when he was younger, he truly believed that he was a living God. And what gave him the edge over his enemies and his foes is that he believed he was predestined to rule the world. And so being a hero was already uh, something that was a, a, a formality for him. And, and so if you look at how he was able to conquer so much territory, which by the way, if you look at the territory that he was able to achieve at a very young age, I think he was only like 17 at the time, which I understand back in those days, um, is actually quite mature, all the way from Greece to the Hadaspis River in the Punjab region of India. Now, for those of you that don't uh, maybe don't have a, a, as good of a, a geographic mind as others, I certainly don't, it essentially extends all the way through the Middle East and into Asia. Uh, okay, and, and let's not forget that during that time, um, Darius uh, II was the ruling um, emperor of Persia, which uh, was the dynasty at the time uh, and the uh, global power. And so we have this little upstart 
in Macedonia, in Greece, who was able to then not only uh, defeat all of Greece, but unite Greece in a campaign against their longtime foes in the east. And so then marched into Persia, conquered all of Persia, and went as far as India. And 17 years old. That's right. And, and if you look at this, the feat is quite great because he is one of a few generals that is undefeated. And why do I share all this? Well, again, it's the mindset of being a hero. No one thought that he could do this. In fact, a lot of his generals thought it would actually be uh, quite dumb uh, to do so. Uh, but he wanted to live this legacy and he truly believed in his heart, in his mind, that he is predestined to do this and believed truly that he was a hero. And still is to this day, when we fast forward um, to present time, we have now uh, accounted for Alexander's deeds and indeed do see and count him as a hero in, in, in many ways. Now, obviously, if you were on the opposing team, you would probably see him as more of an invader. But in historical texts, uh, we have read that even the uh, satraps, which are the regions in, the, in Persia, saw him as a not so much as a conqueror, but a liberator, uh, because they felt that he was actually kinder than the ruling king of time. So they were which oppressed and he came and freed them. That's right. From their uh, oppression. That's right. And, and historical texts uh, support that. Um, so, uh, and again, it, it brings to mind that mindset, what we saw at that time to now and, and the disparity that we're seeing is quite shocking because I remember growing up, the heroes of, of my day uh, were, uh, you know, watching, you know, even as simple as cartoons. Right. right? Saturday morning cartoons. Saturday, Everybody had a, what was your Saturday morning lineup? Exactly. Your Saturday morning lineup. For me, it entailed a lot of Ninja Turtles. Yep. A lot of X-Men. <laughs> Transformers. Transformers. Captain Planet was on there. Captain Planet even. Underdog. Yeah, exactly. And so what did you see? What was the common theme there? Right, it was the bad guy would do anything and everything to cheat, to to subvert, to win, and the good guys would always do everything right. But it, no matter how hard it is, do everything right and overcome that adversity. Yep. Right. Uh, they wouldn't try to win by being a victim. <laughs> it was actually quite the opposite. Right. Yeah. Well, we see that um, everywhere, even if you look at people's social media bios uh, and their description of themselves, they like to identify themselves based on their diagnosis, based on how they've been victimized, based on their issues. Um, I've seen page after page like, oh, I live every single day with depression. Um, why does society hold these people up? Why are we now shifting from lauding heroes to prioritizing victimization? Why are why is this happening? What do you think? I think it's it's a symptom of letting the prisoners rule the prison, right? right? So yeah. where you have enough of them that are in a position to allow these victims to be heroes. I'll give you an example. Jack Dorsey allows victims to be heroes because you only Ooh, have you to. you said his name. 
Uh, yep, I will say his name. This is Thinkers Uncensored. I don't know. I can't post this on Twitter now. <laughs> I'm going to get deleted. The only reason <laughs> that people feel comfortable being a victim is because we are letting them be placed on a pedestal. Well, it's because there's there's victim. regular kind people who don't want to make somebody feel a certain way. So we're all just being polite and trying right. to respect feelings, right. which as a normal human you should, but we should right. not be defined by what makes us what brings us down most in life. Exactly. It's it's just a trait. It's not something that's supposed to define you as right. as, uh, as the defining character of your life, right? So you know, being a victim nowadays is just an easy win. It's easy. It's you're, easy. you're asking why? If it's you easy. put on a mask, yeah. you're a hero. Yeah, it's easy. Put on a mask. Put on a sticker. You literally, the least amount of effort to do. Least amount of effort. <laughs> least amount of effort. And then you get you get to see, or more people get to see it if you do it on social media. Right. You, the COVID. I got my COVID vaccine. Right. The big banner. Right. So everybody sees. Exactly. So everybody you get the, sees what a virtue signaler you are. You get the most are. exposure with the least amount of effort. Which they're not used to. Yeah. Because in the past, to be a hero, you had to do you something had to, hard. You had to do something that's hard. Why, that's why yeah. there were very few heroes that's throughout right. history. Those heroes, Alexander the Great, for your example, right. those heroes that we remember their name, they were one of millions. That's right. And we remember their name. Why? Because they did something hard that everybody else was not doing. That's right. And now, since everybody can do it, that's why you're seeing it in a in a almost viral pace. It's because they they see it as an easy way to achieve something. Right. Because they don't achieve anything great otherwise. It's hard to be a yeah. real hero. Yeah. And society has now allowed small things like putting on a mask that you can see through in the sunshine. Right. And now, oh, you look like a hero. Oh, you got your experimental inoculation, right. you must be a hero. The, these are low standards. We've it, lowered our standards as a society. That's right. And if you look at the psychology of virtue signaling. Oh, I love it. Right? Love the psychology of it. Virtue signaling. Just break down what that is. It's you trying to tell somebody else how good you are. Right. We were just talking about this with the people that mask their little two-year-olds, for example. Yeah. Let's go over the science of that. There is no statistical reason for a two-year-old to wear a mask. The research doesn't support it. In fact, yeah. a highly censored research study just came out from the Journal of American Medicine yeah. that showed that the younger the children are who are masked, the more dangerous the carbon dioxide exposure is to them and it listed an entire list of problems that the children were having as a result of these masks. That's right. And for posting that article, I posted this specifically on Instagram, I was threatened to be deleted for sharing without even adding my opinion, just sharing a screenshot of a peer-reviewed journal article from the Journal of American Medicine. And that is one of tens of peer-reviewed studies showing this isn't safe. Yeah. Aside from that, there are no studies showing that children are transmitters of this virus at statistically significant rates. Yeah, they're not vectors of disease. They are not. not. So why it is 95 degrees here. Why 
do I see two-year-olds wearing masks alone outside at the playground still, even though we don't have mandates now currently? Why are people doing this to their own children? No. Because the science doesn't support it. No, this is Virtue purely signaling. this is purely an emotional and uh, psychological response. Uh, and and really, I feel bad for those folks because they're letting their the, their emotions get the best of them at the detriment of not only themselves at the expense of their own children. That's right. So you know, again, I'll, I'll go back to the main point here, which is that nowadays heroes. Um, are somehow created when you do something easy. Easy. Yeah. Which is being a virtue singular. Right. You want to be a hero? A hero does something against what popular that's, belief that's is. That's exactly right. If everybody, the mainstream media, the news, the yeah. big com- com- tech companies yeah. are all on the same agenda as yeah. you you're not the hero you're not a hero you're the one that's the status exactly. you're the one that's going along with everybody else right. that's easy right, right. Like, you're no longer the non-conformist these exactly. people were previously considered non-conformists guess what yeah if you're pushing the billion dollar pharma industry now and the government yeah. and the big tech you are the conformist now you are the status I'll, you are the one siding with fascism I'll, I'll give you one that's more of a pop culture example that most of your listeners will know caitlin jenner right perfect example caitlin jenner they, they lauded him her as a hero for coming out and how how she, she was, was a hero. She was for coming out so fearless, as a trans, so fearless. Right? Really, really. In this environment, you, there is no nothing to fear. There, it's not like you would have been blackballed and 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 no and one's you surprised would have been. by gay yeah. people, trans people. It yeah. doesn't nothing. It's, it's no one's surprised yeah. if, if it's just normal and it is what it is. Nobody yeah. cares. No one cares. You and do so, you. We'll do me. Exactly. Nothing no bad will happen to you. So now it's it's like you have to you you do something that is so uh, I guess not uh, worthy of of truly being called a hero, but. This person just came out or, or changed their sex and all of a sudden they're held at this, this highest esteem as if that was so hard to do in this environment. Because no one is going, I mean, at least in my circle, no one's going up to people who choose to live their no. life that way and they're like, hey buddy, yeah. you know, talking no down to them. Like exactly. I, I, I certainly don't. Exactly. I don't condone that. So again, that that's my point right. is that we have reached a, reached a place, unfortunately, where we are not really uh uh looking for heroes we're looking for victims and and we're holding right. those folks at a higher regard well, what's higher very interesting is with the whole caitlin jenner thing when she came out and said that trans men should not be participating in women's sports because they did have that biological advantage for years of skeleton structure and muscle building yeah. even if you have taken hormones you still have the musculature and the skeletal structure of a biological male. And you are competing right. against little girls and women yeah. who don't have that advantage. And they just kicked out. So they're allowing that in the Olympics. But then Shikari, who was a black woman, by the way, yeah. was about to be a once-in-a-lifetime world record holder yeah. for was a 100-meter free sprint. Yeah. 
That's right. Smoked a little bit of marijuana after her mother died. Yeah. And was kicked out of that event in the Olympics. I have now, a problem with that. Yeah, a, I mean, I'm not sitting that. here debating it was the rules. Okay, yes, it was the rules. She knew the rules. She broke the rules. That's the way it is. I understand that entire aspect. But if we're really going to use common sense, what provides more of an unfair advantage in an Olympic sport? Someone that's born with a biological musculature for so many years, even before you transition with a man competing against women or a woman who used a little bit of weed one day to help her cope with the death of her mother. Give I mean, me a break. Look, it, it, there's a, this is a very this simple. Is just, this if, is if, stupid. If, let's just apply. I, you know me. I like to ask third, third grade, grade questions. questions yep. right? Third grade questions. Here's a third grade question. If I had a team of all men, okay, all men that competed in all the women's sports, gymnastics, swimming, basketball, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have those same women smoke weed. All the weed they want. All the way they want, the best we, whatever you can, whatever money can buy. Who's gonna win that? I think we all know the answer to that question. I think we all do, but knowing this question somehow is not enough anymore because in the world that we live in, we twist everything we around twist it. to exactly. some utopian standard yeah. that's non existent. Yeah. For the purpose of virtue yeah. signaling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's whatever agenda yeah. they want to highlight at the time. So right now, you they, they if you notice, they were using the Hispanic community to try to get their votes and the whole border wall situation before the election. Right. You know, but if you notice now they kind of dumped the Hispanic community. Yeah, well I mean, they got their they're use. not they got right. They're not sitting here helping the community out. Um, yeah. And then they went on to the black community before the election yeah. and they hyped everybody up and they tried to use the black community to get their votes. And what, what have they done for the black community? We're, we're looking at um, the BLM founders having million dollars of mansions and the parents of like Breonna Taylor's mom, for example, came out. And she's like, what has BLM done for any of us? Nothing. Where is this money going? We didn't see it. Yeah. It's not in our schools. You're not improving the lives of inner cities. Crime in Chicago is still awful so they talk a big talk to hype people up emotionally to elicit an emotional response but when it comes time to actually sit down with the leaders and make improvements for these communities they dump them they just move on because they they got their use if you notice every four years on google blm only trends right before an election year but now we're onto the trans now we're onto the gay trans thing and now that's that's the community that they're trying to round up and secure. And you know what? As soon as Pride Month is over, it's over now. Watch all those companies take all their little rainbow banners and they turn them back now because they've got their use for it. They made their sales. Yeah. Now it's on to whatever the next agenda is. And it, it happens over and over and over. And these people are promising utopia. And where are we now? Gas prices are 40% higher. Who do you think that that disproportionately affects? Yeah. Who minorities? Right. I remember (laughs) just even in college, like if I had like a $20 bill extra, that was a huge deal. Huge. 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 And you remember like riding on E in your car, filling up your car. Shoot, I only have this much money. I can only fill up five gallons, but that'll get me through till Wednesday and I'll figure it out on Wednesday. That just got 40% more difficult for the majority of the population that has a hard time paying their bills. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, you know, the jobs report, the jobs aren't doing so well. 
taxes. They want to tax people more. And they came out the other day and said, oh, well, we're going to increase taxes on these fossil fuel and gasoline companies by $90 billion. Yeah. What do you think that's going to do to gas prices? Who is that going to affect? And it's the same thing. Big government, big taxes. It hurts the little guy. Right. And, and people fall for it every time because they make them feel good. Because as long as you're focused on things that people really don't care about, it's the straw man's argument. No one is arguing that whatever ca- insert whatever category they're talking about today, no one is arguing that those people shouldn't have equal rights. No. No one is saying, no one is coming out saying, well, you know, we, we need separations. We shouldn't have. No one is saying that. But they're coming out even with this vaccine. They're actually creating segregation with this critical race theory by telling yeah. minorities that they are held down by white people. Mm-hmm. And white people are sitting here like, what are you, ta- what? What are we even talking about? We have. Well, you're racist. You just don't know it. Excuse yeah. me? Yeah. Or people are like, oh, I'm, I'm married to someone that's not white. My kids aren't white. What do you mean I'm racist? We have, we have what are completely you talking perverted about, right? ourselves to the point where everything is backwards. I'll everything give you an is backwards. The heroes of the uh, Jim Crow era fought with their lives to abolish segregation. Meaning, there shouldn't be a, a delineating factor to separate a black person, a white person, Someone who's Asian. We're all people. Yep, exactly. But for some perverted reason, I don't even know what the the gymnastics it takes mentally to make this, uh, you know, make sense. They are reintroducing segregation in the form of, hey, this is a black product, and you go to a grocery oh, yeah. store, and hey, these mushrooms were grown by a black farmer. Right? Right. And this this asparagus was grown in a black farm. Okay. So it's you're going virtue to, signaling. Yeah. So you're gonna tell me now that when I go to the grocery store, I'm supposed to make a decision based on who grew the my color vegetables of the person who grew the vegetables. Versus the quality of the vegetables themselves. Okay, is this what this is really the the question that you want people asking? <laughs> right. Martin Luther King would be turning in his grave if he thought that people would buy something based on the color of your skin. Let's remember what he stands for. His legacy is I want to be judged not by the color of my skin, but by my character. Right. Okay? I'm just using the food as the example here. But why can't I judge my decisions based on the quality of that carrot (laughs) or that asparagus, not by the color of the person who grew it? Right. He is turning in his grave right now. And that's what I'm saying is the reintroduction of segregation as a way of of creating equality is nonsensical. these people don't know what they're doing and it has been perverted. I just don't know what kind of mental gymnastics they have to put themselves through or even their followers to try to justify this in, in any way as a common consumer, you know, someone who goes out into the world and sees this. I don't know how you can just look at this and not blatantly say, this is racist. If you reverse time, 
and saw black carrots and white carrots, you would have thought we were in Jim Crow era. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Black bathroom, white bathroom. Okay, does this strike a chord with someone? Because it certainly strikes a chord with me when I see it, right? So what's next? Are these Asian bok choy versus uh, white bok choy? Well, they're, they're perpetuating an idea that, that there are white people that are specifically going out of their way to prevent someone else who is not white from rising. Hasn't happened, hasn't, haven't seen it. Now, does racism exist? Absolutely. Yes, it there does. There are some people yes, that are does. just bad people. Yes, it does. That are judgmental. Absolutely. We're not talking about them. We're talking about right. the country as a system. Yeah, systematically, does it systematically We had a black exist? president that was no. voted twice. No, no. If it was systematic, if the majority of people were not, were, were racist, we wouldn't have had a black president twice. Yeah. It just, it wouldn't have happened. It's true. And, and so, again, uh, you know, having this discussion about heroes and victims. Right. So I wanted to get back to that. I did want to ask you, why, why do you think people followed Alexander the Great? Why do people follow heroes? Because they inspire. It's very easy. They inspire you. They want better for you. you they make you want to have better for you, right? Right. Heroes are people that you want to follow. You're supposed to want to follow. Victims are people who you don't want to follow. So, you know, when Alexander made the speech to go out to the, uh, into Asia and into Persia, remember again, Persia was dominating Greece at that time. Okay. They've even invaded Greece at several points. So for him to say, hey, let's get about 60,000 men and go into Persia and kick some butt. Which, by the way, Darius, who <laughs> fielded closely to 200 to 100,000 men at some point, was severely, uh, Alexander was severely disadvantaged. But he inspired his men because they follow heroes. That's what we need more of today, more than ever. And that's why I like to listen to your, your podcast. I think your message is heroic. Because right now, going against popular belief is the heroic act of today, okay? Being the person that doesn't go along to get along is being heroic today, okay? Because that's hard. The media's against you. The government's against you. The school is against you. Well, now they're labeling the anybody that questions you, this entire okay? agenda as an extremist. Yeah. The medical field is against you, okay? So you're going to tell me that people that believe all of that, they're the heroes? No. It's the one who's standing up against those institutions that is the hero. They are the heroes. Okay? And by the way, if we're going to talk about institutional... Sorry, it's just kind of... just No, please. Head. If we're going to talk about institutional racism, then we have no one else to blame than the left. Because they own the educational institutional system. They own the liberal media institutional system. They own the government right now. So if you want to talk about institutional racism, it exists because you are controlling it. And by the way, if we want to go back in the day to the overt institutional racism back when it was actually overt, what party was Abraham Lincoln in? Yeah. Who was the party that founded the KKK? Democrats. The same party 
And by the way, I am politically independent. Yeah, we're because I think the Republicans yeah. are I, completely I am weak sauce right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah. But, but, but that's because we're thinkers. Right. right? I, I don't like, I'm not tribal <laughs> with this. No. I don't pick one way or another. And I no. do believe that they are working together. There's like the, the deep state elite. And then there's like a couple people that are trying to help well, things. At the end of the but day, at the end of the day, the party that keeps people down in this endless spiral is the Democratic Party. And it's the same trick over and over and they are continuing to do it today with the promise of a utopia that will never arrive. Yeah. So my message to your listeners is that, um, you know, in the world that we live in today, it's not easy to be yourself when everybody's telling you the emperor's wearing clothes. Oh, gosh. And you clearly see with your own eyes the that he is emperor's got not- all of his wits about him. Be brave. The emperor is not wearing be clothes. Be brave. Be heroic. Be a hero. Be a hero. Be a hero for yourself, for your kids, because they're watching you. Yep. They're paying attention. They're seeing how you are behaving right now. Yep. And if you capitulate and you bend to the whims of the crazy and uh, the progressive uh, left, then that's what they're going to follow. Right, you are the hero. They're gonna follow heroes. Even if you're going along to get along, you are teaching them that. Yeah, you're teaching them that's a value. You're teaching them that it's fine to just follow. What what to be a sheep? Exactly. And what we we can end with this is doing the hard thing is exactly what makes you a hero. Okay, and trust me, you are not alone. You know, find find uh, solitude with other heroes in this in this uh, thread on this podcast and uh, and surround yourself with individuals who are like-minded because you find strength in each other and um, being a hero is not easy it's not supposed to be easy but that's how you know you're doing something right right <laughs> right so I, I'm gonna end with uh, that saying hard times create. hard times make strong men Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Right. So we're in here in the weak men we're in the, we're, section we're, of this. We are in the weak men section right masculinity now. is considered toxic, <laughs> among right. other things. So That's some right. things for you guys to think about. I know it's kind of an off-the-cuff conversation, but it was a really interesting conversation, so I wanted to bring you guys into it and save it on here as a podcast because we've been talking about this all morning, and it's just absolutely fascinating to me. So the lesson is uh, be a hero. It's okay. It's okay to be a hero. It's okay to teach your children to be a hero. It's okay. It's okay to aspire to something that is hard to reach because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. So I would encourage all of you to stand up and be a hero. Don't just do what someone says because they threaten you one time. Oh, I have to choose between my job or getting the vaccine. Oh, I have to choose between wearing this mask or people looking at me bad. Stand up for something and bring others along with you. Because if you are a hero and you stand up for something, others will follow. And when you have a group and you stand together, that is how you win. That's how it's done. All right, guys. I hope everybody has a great day. I love you guys.